This is Earth Radio. And now here's human music. What's up, guys? This is Jaime with Nerdolution. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. I tasked the guys to do me a solo episode with something that they were passionate about. Danny will be talking about some comic-related news, and Lewis will be talking about wrestling. He'll be talking about AEW and CM Punk. So without further ado, Danny, take it away. Thank you, Amy. Hey there, everyone. Good to see you today. Danny here, and it is time for my solo talk. It's a little weird, but I'm for it. Change is good. So I wanted to take my time today to talk a little bit of comic stuff. And if time remaining, since we're talking about our interests and our passions, I may tell you about those secret movies that the powers that be don't want you to know about. Is that the films of DB International? Stay tuned. Find out. If you'd like to know more about those, please say so on the Facebook page. Instagram, Twitter, we're everywhere. Give us a shout out. Give us a listen. If you like the podcast, share it. Please do. We work very hard. We want you to enjoy it, and I hope you enjoy it. And if you really do, please spread the word. So, um, I've stated before here that I am a very big comic book collector. It is mostly DC for me, but I do also collect Marvel books, depending on the storylines and the creators involved, and um, Image Comics, which is the premier independent company. Um, You know, Image is like the ones that put forth The Walking Dead, Spawn, uh, Invincible, if you were a big fan of that show. Um, So I wanted to talk about, it came out last week, it was the new Marvel a comic book story called Dark Ages. Now, this is not a standard event like Civil War, the comics, the comic Civil War and its sequel Civil War II, or Infinity Gauntlet in the um, late 80s, early 90s, um, and the subsequent um, sequels to that and whatnot. But this is a um, kind of non-canon story. At least I'm pretty sure it's non-canon, because if it is canon, then they're probably going to have to do a lot of time travel to get things back to normal and possibly reboot all of Marvel Comics, which, you know, comic book companies are known for doing that with major storylines every so often. Uh, But that doesn't appear to be the case here. Uh, So this is written by Tom Taylor, and uh, I could talk about him a little later because he's written some very cool stories Um, including the Injustice comic book series for DC, if you played that uh, video game. He did the comic um, prequel series to the first game and then the sequel series. Uh, He did a DC version of Zombies. Marvel has had Marvel Zombies comic. Uh, Ironically, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure that was also written by Robert Kirkman, um, of course, who did The Walking Dead comic book and executive producer creator of the tv show um and he also did uh so that dc version was deceased and he's currently writing nightwing which is also a good series um which i can talk about a little bit but dark ages this is kind of a cool concept it's only been one issue so far 
I believe it's a six or eight issue miniseries. And the basic premise is there is a new god type character, uh, kind of like a celestial. It, those are going to be characters featured in the Marvel Eternals uh, movie coming out later this year. They're like giant godlike beings of the um, universe. They were actually featured um, the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Um, I believe one of them had the Power Stone, if I recall, Power Gem. Well, they're gems in the comics, but stones. Anyways, um, so these giant beans. So it's kind of sort of like that. And this figure, this godlike bean, invades the Marvel Universe. And they're putting up a big fight. And he's very tough. And uh, what happens is Doctor Strange, it, well, before Doctor Strange does anything, this this being like kind of works off power and electricity and technology. So Doctor Strange goes through some multiverse, to, you know, because everything they're doing is not working. So he gets help from another dimension. And basically, in order to kill this godlike being, they totally uh, wipe out all the technology uh, henceforth so this takes place afterwards in the marvel universe dark ages obviously technology is gone and it's just left as is and uh what we have in the future and uh, some of the heroes are dead um i'm pretty sure tony stark was dead in this universe uh which kind of makes sense because he had his power core you know for his heart he's gone spider-man's still around with his family um Pretty sure Doctor Strange was around. I don't think he was killed. I have to. I haven't done. You know, I admit I haven't done my reread of it yet. But um, I, I probably will get to that soon. Definitely before the next issue comes out, so I could catch up. Uh, so they have this new world. There is no technology at all. They have to make fires to stay warm and so forth. Uh, so it seems pretty cool. And Apocalypse, uh, the old X Men villain, gets a team of villains including a steampunk-powered Iron Man. So it is an Iron Man that runs off steam. Uh, we have not had the identity revealed of it yet. I, For all I know, it could be Tony Stark. Like I said, the series just started, but it's kind of a cool image. Um, so Apocalypse is going to lead his attack to take over the world, and um, the Marvel heroes will have to fight back. So um, it seems like a pretty cool story so far, you know. Like I said, uh, the author of this book is uh, an Australian man named Tom Taylor uh, who's written these kind of Elseworld-type stories. Elseworlds used to be the DC label for non-canon stories, like one of the big ones uh, was Batman Red Rain, where Batman turns into a vampire so he can fight Dracula. Uh, Kingdom Come, I believe was written as an Elseworlds. That was a big famous story in the 90s with the superheroes of tomorrow and where Superman and Batman are all old and so forth. Um, but Tom Taylor has become one of my favorite writers of the past couple of years. Uh, the, one of the series I mentioned earlier, uh, well, of course, he did the deceased, um, or sorry, before that, the Injustice comic book adaptation. That was the video game. So it took place before the video game. Uh, if you've played the video games, you know it's about an evil Superman uh, who accidentally kills uh, his wife, uh, Lois Lane, and her unborn child. 
because the Joker puts fear gas on him from Scarecrow because the Joker got tired of messing around with Batman. It wasn't fun for him, so he wanted to mess around with Superman, and Superman gets mad, and he comes in, and he punches through the Joker, kills him, and he vows to never let that happen again, so Superman becomes a dictator, and then there's more multiverse jumping, and then a lot of fighting. So this was kind of like that big story happening before that. Now, one of the other uh, cool stories I mentioned a couple times was Deceased. Um, also mentioned is like the DC version of the Marvel Zombies, which was just featured on What If for the Disney Plus Marvel show. Um, I have not read the original Marvel Zombies after seeing this episode, which I enjoyed um, most of this What If episode. I think it could have ended a little stronger. Um you know, I won't get too much into details for those that haven't seen it yet, but it's it's been fun. Um, I think that would make a great, fun series to see that more adapted out than just be a one-off what-if episode. But who knows? Maybe they'll come back to it. That would be cool. So, in the world of Deceased, it starts with the Justice League defeating Darkseid. As they do, Darkseid kidnaps Cyborg, and they put Cyborg with the Anti-Life Equation which is what Darkseid is always trying to get and conquer and conquer life. Um, I'm pretty sure Darkseid kills himself to get the equation. They put the equation in Cyborg. They send Cyborg back to Earth, and um, it just goes off and turns a whole bunch of people into zombies, you know, but they still get, if they're metahumans, you know, they still get to keep their powers. And uh, it's very cool. And one of the cool things about this is it doesn't really contain a cast of characters that you would think. Um, this is going to be semi-spoiler territory here, but I think that's what will make this interesting. You know, a lot of comic book critics uh, that read comics think that with DC, there's too much Batman. And I'm a huge Batman fan. I love Batman. Batman's my favorite comic book character and so forth. But, you know, I'm foreseeing other stories and whatnot, so I understand and think it's fair criticism, but at the same time, Batman sells, <laughs> you know. Uh, I, th I think we know that, um, you know, even going back to Batman 89, all they did to promote it was just put that bat symbol up there. That was the main poster. That's all you needed. Batman sells. Um, so, spoiler alert coming in now. Uh, Batman dies in the first issue. Or it might be the second issue. He gets infected by the end of the first issue. And then uh, they have to put him down um, with a shotgun. I think Nightwing has to kill him. It may have been Alfred. Or maybe even Damien. For those that don't know, Damien Wayne is the son of Batman. Uh, for those that haven't been keeping up. And uh, Damien is a Robin. And, you know, I think the best Robin. Maybe not all time because Dick Grayson, Nightwing which I would also said I would segue, is one of uh, my favorite characters as well. Uh, so this is a cool series. Uh, the first series, Deceased, was about on Earth and how the heroes were fighting, you know, to save themselves. Then there was open for a sequel. Then they had a spinoff uh, for about three issues, which was pretty cool, uh, called Deceased Unkillables, which focused more on some of the villains that got left behind, like Bane, Deathstroke, Cheetah, um, Red Hood, you know, another one of the Robins. So that was a pretty cool miniseries. And then there was the final volume, um, Deceased Dead Planet, 
which was the definitive ending for now. It is comic books, so they can always go back to it. Uh, but that does a great job of wrapping up the story. So if you're looking for comic book uh, recommendations, Deceased is pretty cool. And as much as it has zombies and killing and viruses, uh, there is a lot of humor and there is a lot of heart. Um, you know, so I recommend that you, if you get the chance that you check them out. Uh, go support your local comic book store because I know many of them were hurt during the pandemic. Comic books stopped shipping at the beginning of the pandemic for about two or three months um you know so a lot of businesses were hurting so uh if if you like comic books deceased is pretty good uh dark ages is new it's only been the first issue that came out uh back to tom taylor like i mentioned he's been writing nightwing uh it's a light-hearted um affair because nightwing has been compared to batman always more joyful and bright uh, and that's been a great series. A lot of Nightwing comic books have to deal with him uh, in his city, not Gotham, but Bloodhaven. So if you've watched the Arrowverse, I think they've made references to Bloodhaven. I don't know if they've actually gone there, uh, but that's usually associated with Nightwing. And that's been a pretty great series um, that he's defending the city, the people, ground level. He's fighting evil politicians and the gangsters that are backing them. And he adopts a dog. I believe they called the dog Lucy, but jokingly in character and fans, they refer to the dog as Bitewing. Because how could you not name a dog Bitewing when involved with Nightwing? So that one's been going on for about uh, four or five issues now. Uh, they created a new villain called Heartless because he rips people's hearts out with a gun. <laughs> kind of like a, a suction type gun. Uh, the best the best thing that it reminds me of is um, that scene from the Matrix where they pull the uh, that little machine thing out of Neo before they get him out of the Matrix. It's got like that tube and they suck him up. Uh, so Heartless kind of used something like that. So watch out. Don't get your heart sucked out or broken. I think we're all used to that. Uh, so yeah, check that out. That is a... Uh, those are my comic book recommendations. Um... There's always series out there. If there's any questions you have at comics, you know, always comment on Nerdolution, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're looking for recommendations, uh, reviews and such forth, I'll put them there. There's so many great series out there. And there's not so great series. If you want some bad comic book recommendations, uh, like... The Ultimatum, where half the Ultimate Marvel Universe dies in very gruesome ways. That's very awful. Um, there's All-Star Batman and Robin, where I quote here that Batman calls Robin retarded, as, as written in that by the great and unfortunately now very crazy Frank Miller. Um, <laughs> maybe he was always crazy, but he was definitely very great at one point. So those are some um, stories that you can read. And those are my comic book recommendations. Now, since we do have a little bit of time, before they cut me short, because I know you all want to know about DB International Films, it was said, one of the last episodes, that I was teaching a filmmaking class. What you may not know is I ran my own movie studio at one point. And by own movie studio, I owned a laptop and I got all my friends to make dumb short movies with me. 
I did three movies. They are not good by any means, and I take them way too serious. But you know what? At the end of the day, I made three movies with my friends, although one of them was a project for school that I later promoted through MySpace. That's how old these movies are. They debuted on MySpace. But they are out there. You know, the three movies, I'll just give you the titles. There is El Enye, the Spanish superhero. That was done for a Spanish class. There is The Adventures of Black Zorro, starring as Zorro, who is African-American. And, of course, the serial killer cop drama, Where's Waldo? Are they good? Probably not. Did I have fun? Hell yeah, I had fun, you know, because they were crappy, but to me, they were personal. They were what I wanted to do uh, with my camcorder and my friends just going out in public trying to film real quick with toy guns and swords and hope nobody would call the cops on us, which luckily never happened, um, you know, and it was a really low budget camera and it didn't look good. There's clips of them on YouTube, but I did put them up on a Google site. So if you're interested, comment. Uh, just don't take it too seriously. You may want to watch it on a Friday night. Get drunk. If you're over the age of 21, we do not um, want underage drinking. But, you know, alcohol will probably make them a little bit better. But they were cheesy as hell, and I love them. And... Um, it made me feel like I was doing something cool. So will I ever make another film like that again? Who knows? Stay tuned. That would be fun. But that's all I got for you guys tonight. So I hope you enjoy this little um, solo talk. As always, you guys know the drill by now. Not guilty. Back to you, Lewis. <laughs> What's up, everybody? It's Luis from the Revolution Podcast, and we're here today to talk to you about anything and everything that matters to us in the world that is currently a dumpster fire lit with gasoline and flamethrowers. Uh, but in the carnal disaster zone that is our world, uh, we had a fairly, can you say outing? It wasn't an outing. Uh, we didn't go out. Well, I did go out to see it at Rob's, but uh, we had a fairly badass event here at the beginning of September, uh, September 5th to be exact. It was AEW's All Out 2021 pay-per-view. Um, I believe it's their third pay-per-view of the year with their fourth coming up, uh, I want to say November, maybe December. And so this is, for all intents and purposes, for the purposes of the internet, this was punk returns the pay-per-view this was very much an old school feel this had big fights all around if we look at the entire card that was uh let's see there's 10 fights total uh like i said this was september 5th 2021 at the now arena um in hoffman estates illinois which is a suburb of chicago uh let's see it's the first AEW event to be held on a Sunday, which is different for AEW. AEW has always been a Saturday night pay-per-view, which kind of works out a lot better, in my opinion, that it's a Saturday night uh, instead of a Sunday, because while you do start your week off 
well with the WWE, a good WWE pay-per-view. Let me clarify that. Um, if it's not a good pay-per-view, you're starting off with your week kind of shitty. And in recent years, a lot of WWE pay-per-views have failed to meet expectations, let alone even failed to meet the mediocreness that they've set for themselves. So the fact that AEW was smart enough to realize, look, we'll leave Sunday pay-per-views for WWE and we'll take over Saturday nights, a night that doesn't typically have a lot of wrestling. I think it's smart. Now that they, they did this on a Sunday, which was, I think, the Sunday immediately after SummerSlam, which WWE ended up doing on a Saturday. So I think the, this was a shot, shot, return shot. You know, WWE decided to move their main pay-per-view from Sunday to Saturday and then put NXT on for Sunday, saying it kind of as a shot to AEW saying, hey, your stuff will never beat our main roster stuff, but you can't even touch our developmental. To which I believe AEW went ahead and said, okay, you guys want to seem big and high and mighty and all this stuff. All right, we'll take you on on your Sunday night spot, and we're going to blow your Sunday night spot out of the fucking water. And guess the fuck what? They fucking did it. If I can get in close and and tell you guys directly, they fucking blew WWE out of the goddamn water. But that's my opinion. We'll get to my opinion in a quick minute. We're going to do a a quick rundown of the 10 matches, um, excluding the buy-in pre-show. Because, one, I didn't get a chance to see the pre-show. So, I, I, I don't know what exactly happened i i have the results here but i'm i'm just going to talk about the matches that i saw on the main show and touch a little bit on SummerSlam and some of the controversy coming out of SummerSlam for wwe and what this all-out show at this point is going to count towards the future of aew as far as their programming as far as what they can build off from here and what this means for WWE moving forward in the brand new, I mean, I guess we could still call it Monday Night Wars, um, even though the, 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 the war for the wrestling fan is not just held on Monday nights anymore. It's held over all the nights that there's wrestling and the two shows compete. We will see it in the ratings. And um, I think that's the biggest I think we'll start there. That's the biggest thing that's coming out of this is the fact that this is based on the information that we, that we have available right now. I mean, just look at the ticket numbers. This is over 10,000 people. I think the final attendance was 10,126 and it was sold out within a day. The tickets for the arena were sold out for a day. It also did over 200,000 pay-per-view buys. Um, which is the most by a non-WWE pay-per-view since 1999. Let's think about that. 1999, although saying it out loud doesn't sound like it's too far uh, too far ago. I mean, that's what? Uh, 99? 
we're about 22 years removed from that. That's a full person. It's a full person's lifetime removed from that. Anyone born in 1999 is already drinking based off their miserable lives today. But that's neither here nor there. So think about that. That 99 was the height of... No, wasn't the height of the Attitude Era. It was, it was We were already coming off the Attitude Era for the most part. Uh, that might have been one of the last few WCW pay-per-views. And we were slowly moving from the Monday Night Wars into the dominance of the WWE, into them kind of making their own, I guess you could say, in professional wrestling. So, so there is that. Uh, they, they, there is that sense that that's, like I said, they, probably a lot of nostalgia buys for one of the last WCW pay-per-views that was ever going to be. Uh, a lot of people who maybe didn't care too much are now we're now just watching because all oh, the old guys they're getting pushed out and they're getting bought out by WWE, and so now, you know, we'll we'll watch it for old time's sake, for nostalgia's sake. But this is. AEW, I don't want to say at the height because there's a lot of ceiling, there's a lot of potential for growth here for the AEW. I think, I think honestly, the sky's the limit for these guys. This is a young company. I think they've only had, ooh, I don't know. I think they started barely before the pandemic. I think 2019. So this is a two year old, for all intents and purposes, a two year old wrestling company. And they have huge names already. I mean, looking at the poster for All Out. The, the vertical poster, at least. On the poster itself, you have the Legends thing. You've got Andrade Cien Almas. You've got Paul White, a.k.a. The Big Show. You've got Miro, a.k.a. Uh, what was his name in WWE? Uh, Rusev. You've got John Moxley, formerly known as Dean Ambrose. You've got Christian Cage, Chris Jericho, Mark Henry. You've got Pac. And then dead in the center of it all, you have Kenny Omega and the man who made his return, CM Punk. A man who, for all intents and purposes, when he left WWE over seven years ago, had no intention of coming back to wrestling ever. And you know what? Good for him. I'm fucking glad he's back. And we'll get into his match when we get into when we get into it closer to the end of the pay-per-view. But let's start off. With match number one, uh, like I said, the first match of the night was the buy-in, uh, which I did not get to see. It was a 10-man tag match. Uh, but we're going to move on from that. That's the pre-show. Into the first matchup of the night. Now, um, if you're a friend of mine or if you've t- ever talked to me on a personal level about wrestling, you'll know I'm not a giant fan of a title, whether it's a main event title or even a lower title. I don't like titles being defended as the first match of a show. On a pay-per-view, I'm a little more lax. I'm a little more lenient. I'm more willing to say, sure, go ahead and you know, go, go ahead and put on a title, but don't give me your big gun title. That being said, AEW started off with the TNT championship, you know, their their TV title. It was Miro versus Eddie Kingston. It, and let's be honest, the TNT title is not like the 
TV title from WCW. It this is a highly contested title. This is a very much a in the short time that it's been around, it's a very considered title. Um, obviously, there's no gravitas. And there's no like none of these titles are gonna beat out titles like Ric Flair's All Gold WCW belt, the WWE Championship, the Intercontinental title, uh, the Hardcore title, uh, the, the the United States Championship from its WCW run to current WWE days. Nothing's going to beat out those titles because they have time, they have prestige, they have all this grandiose behind it. And you know what? That's good for them. But in a short amount of time, they have put enough strong storylines and strong wrestlers. This is kind of the workhorse title, I would say. This is, this is your favorite wrestler's favorite title. Obviously, everyone shoots for the big titles, but this is definitely the one where, like, damn, like, you have the hard matches. And it shows with this with this match, Miro versus Eddie Kingston, they are beating the hot holy hell out of each other. They, there is beatdowns, there is dragouts, there is, I mean, at one point, there is, you know, exposed turnbuckles, there's huge shots to the head they're beating they're wiping the floor with each other basically like mops and in the end you see a giant machka kick just pow straight to the dome miro pins him one two three it's over and uh, i'll give it to jr he called he called it a slobber knocker early on and it lives up to the slobber knocker title it was a brawl and that's that's kind of what what miro formerly known as Rusev, has been known to do. Even in his WWE days, he's a massive, massive mountain of a human. And Eddie Kingston, while by no means a small guy, you look at the size comparison between the two of them, and Miro, I think, is a little bit shorter, if memory serves correct, but Kingston is no slouch. Kingston will tear you apart, and he is a huge individual. So the fact that these two had... God, I want to say what felt like a drag-out brawl that took maybe 15 minutes. But it was a hard 15 minutes. You know people say when you look at a picture of somebody who's been on drugs for the better part of 30, 40 years, and they look haggard, and they're like, oh yeah, that person's only like 40? Like, how are you 40 and you look 72 years dead? That's what this match was. It was ugly but it was a fucking brawl um definitely a strong a strong match uh let's see the next match kind of a uh no not kind of it was def it was a shout out to new japan wrestling you have john moxley which is the craziest man in wwe well he was craziest in wwe now he's the craziest man in AEW. fighting satoshi kojima not to be confused with the Kojima who makes the Metal Gear games. Get that out of the way right now because I know I'm going to hear about it in the comment section down below. So this match came about because Moxley sent out an open contract to Japan looking for new competition because like, he's been one of the, the day one guys who bought into AEW from a very early point. He's been, he's been their world champion before. 
but he is a man on a mission to destroy his own body for the entertainment of the fans and look as a fan i appreciate it i love it it's fun it's great to see these kind of death death matches and stuff like that i'll be honest i kind of want moxley to protect himself a little more just so he lasts a little longer and again this isn't if this is how he goes out as far as like any injuries or anything like that look he'll be happy and that's what's gonna make me happy but at the end of the day i'm selfish i want to see moxley have a super long career i i don't know i don't know but um focusing on this match this was also i mean you could see the marks on both of these men's body there were bruises forming during the match but that's new japan wrestling for you um new japan the home of strong style where if they throw a kick that's a legitimate kick if they punch you in the teeth you're losing a molar um which is right up john moxley's alley i swear uh so now uh going back and forth again we're not going into huge detail about most of the matches unless i have an opinion on them and my opinion on this match really um again another strong strong style match very much of the japan the japan style at the end of the day john moxley hits that paradigm shift no one kicks out of that one satoshi's down pin done now it's the after match results that get the crowd jumping and this is one of the few moments that I believe the crowd was genuinely shocked. And if you saw All Out or if you know the results, you, you bootlegged it, and I'm not going to name names. If you bootlegged it, you bootlegged it. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. But next time you need to give me a clip so we don't have to pay the 60 bucks. Hint, hint, wink, wink. <laughs> uh, Minoru Suzuki debuts for the crowd. And Moxley is losing his mind. And they start wailing on each other. And out of nowhere, Suzuki grabs Moxley, puts him in the gotch pile driver, stands tall above him, closing out. We fade to black and we move on to the next match. So, again, a very physical, demanding, high match. And the arrival of Suzuki. Definitely setting up a good rivalry right there. Another strong style rivalry for Moxley to go off of. So we'll see what happens with that. But it, but again, this is what this is where WWE would have dropped the ball, and we would have seen something horrible come out of this. Because let's face it, WWE if they would have had a match like this, there would have been such fanfare and. Oh, this guy's coming from this place, and yada yada yada. What a collaboration, or what a takeover, what a you know. They would have paraded Suzuki around for the longest time, removing any mystique there there would have been for a debut like this. Meanwhile, if the fans don't know what's coming, you get a genuine reaction. That crowd erupted. They erupted. And it was beautiful, and it was great, and none of us knew what was going on. So, WWE, if you if someone from WWE is listening, start taking some fucking notes because this is how you sell a hidden surprise. This is how you sell someone's surprise debut. And we're gonna hear about a couple more in just a second. Um, the very next match was for the AEW Women's Championship. 
it was Chris Statlander fighting Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, uh, Britt Baker being the champion. Um, I don't have too much to say about, again, I don't have too much to say about any of these. I, I am an AEW fan because of a lot of the wrestlers they have there and a lot of storylines, and I catch a lot of their stuff online after the fact. But this pay-per-view sold me on wanting to catch up on their weekly show, so I'm on top of the, the storylines more. I'm slowly transitioning from WWE to AEW. I'm not all elite yet, but we're going to get there. Um, so originally, this match was stated to be um, the one-on-one match. Uh, Britt Baker was going to have Rebel or one of her stable mates come out. But at the end, when Chris Statlander made her entrance, Orange Cassidy, another rest- a fellow wrestler and a friend of hers, actually accompanied her to the ring and kind of was uh kind of balanced out a lot of the stuff that was going on there um rebel tried to get involved in the match every so often and boom uh that kind of was the downfall for chris statlander she was a little too focused on on rebel outside uh, cassidy orange cassidy is a wrestler who is infamous or just plain famous for being lazy looking and lazy looking i mean the man fights in a in his own t-shirt and a pair of sweatpants um puts minimal effort shows no emotion but in this one he finally explodes with emotion when chris is a little hurt but she has momentum on her side and she's thrown out of the ring and cassidy loses it and starts screaming at her to get up get back in the fight and throws her back in the ring and it's it's great because if you've been seeing a lot of his stuff, he's again he's not very animated. He's, there's no never any emotion on his face, and to see this explode out of him is great. Um, it kind of adds a new dynamic of like, wow, if Cassidy can get fired up for someone else's match, what's going to happen when he gets fired up for his own matches? Questions to be answered at a later time. Uh, final result on this one: uh, Britt Baker delivers the Pittsburgh Sunrise with an added stomp. And then locks in the lockjaw to make Statlander tap out. So this is a rare match where Britt Baker actually wins her match clean. And yet, um, in my opinion, I think Statlander comes out uh, comes out looking like a million dollars compared to Britt Baker. Um, we are gonna get into the next match, which is the steel cage match. This is for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. The Young Bucks, the Jackson Brothers, defending champions versus the Lucha Brothers, which is uh, Penta Cero Miedo and Ray Phoenix. And look, um, I'll say this. This was, if everyone knew the Punk match was going to be good and everyone knew the Kenny Omega Christian Cage match was going to deliver, and everyone knew Chris Jericho was going to put on one hell of a show. This is the match that everyone just assumed, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be fine. It'll be serviceable. And this thing shot up to the top of even my own personal list of favorite matches of the night. This was insane. If you're a hardcore fan like I am, uh, and not just hardcore in terms of watching it your whole life, but you're a hardcore like you like violence and blood and weapons and all this kind of stuff you'll you will love this match um if you have a chance to find it on youtube or something or 
We paid for the replay on pay-per-view. I highly, I more than highly recommend re-watching this fight. This was insane. Um, at one point towards the end of the match, uh, the Young Bucks get a bag tossed into the ring. They open it up. It is a pair of Air Forces where the bottom sole has pin cushions glued onto it. And that's crazy enough to say, but when you see them actually use it, and they connect with multiple super kicks to the Lucha Brothers, and then the Lucha Brothers somehow de-shoe him and hit him in the hit both the young bucks in the face with it, and everyone's busted open and bleeding. It's a crazy stunt show of a fight. I loved it. It was great. It was so fantastic. Um everyone shines in this match the young bucks the lucha brothers every single person in this match shines without without diminishing the other um final results the lucha brothers defeat the young bucks they they finally win the titles um this was the dark horse for me and it lived up to not just be a dark horse. It lived up to be one of the best matches I've seen in the entire calendar year for the 2021. I'm having a hard time thinking of any other ones. Um, we still have at least two more months worth of matches that can change my mind, obviously. But we will see. Uh, let's put a pin on that one and come back to it when we have time. Uh, okay, so we have the Casino Battle Royale, which is the winner of this Battle Royale will get a shot at the AEW Women's title coming up. Uh, if you don't know what a Casino Battle Royale is, um, every entrant is given a playing card. Uh, you can either get a club, a diamond, a heart, or a spade. And then those four, car uh, those four card styles are chosen at random. Uh, and then you're entered into the match that way. So in order of entry, the clubs were called up first, then the diamonds, then the hearts, then the spades. And they had one entry spot for a joker card. And they would kind of always do that. They always have like a joker somewhere. This time they left the joker for very last. Um, Want to see here. Da, da, da. Anyone stand out? There are a couple standouts. In this uh looking at the list here i think the bunny did pretty well uh thunder rosa i never heard of her but after this match i knew of her uh nyla rose i like the i like nyla rose so she was pretty she was pretty dope watching her uh i'm having a hard time remembering uh anna j anna j was fun to watch hey conti i think was fun to watch red velvet was funny not funny like haha but it's like she seems cool um yeah i think the hard part for me is again i don't know i've never seen matches with any of these women except for nyla rose and uh, yeah nyla rose rio i've seen a match or two i want to say i saw big swole once also in another match but again um I don't know half these women, so I'm probably not the right person to give a real opinion on this. I'm just reading off of a, a list here. Uh, but the big one, again, I told you guys the order. The Joker card was left for last, and who should arrive but a former WWE superstar, and to say superstar is 
very very low uh ruby formerly ruby rose aka now she is ruby soho charges out to the ring after pulling the well i say pulling really we all knew she was the joker card uh, and runs out she kicks thunder rosa out of the ring to win the battle royal and now it is going to be her and dr Britt baker fighting for the title uh, at a later date i'm thinking it's going to be for the next pay-per-view but we i'm not entirely sure uh, again, not not necessarily for me this fight, but if you're a fan, if you've been following them, hey, you got they delivered. I think it was a great battle royal overall. We'll see what happens when Ruby Soho faces Britt Baker later on. Uh, okay, so now we get into the 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 big fights, the uh, the actual. Uh, well, I guess you could say the, the, the big four. Big four? Uh, yeah, one, two, three. Yeah, big four. Well, big three with a buffer in the middle. We have the final fight, Chris Jericho, the champion of champions, the first ever undisputed WWE champion, the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla, the man with the list, the mile long the man of a thousand and one holds versus damn near one of the most pompous arrogant assholes i've seen in wrestling and that's saying a lot because i saw hunter hearst helmsley mr mjf uh honestly this is a fight that uh well look the biggest stipulation on this was if jericho lost this fight he would never be able to wrestle and they were clarifying in it a lot in the promo packages during the pay-per-view. He would never wrestle in AEW again, leaving the door open for him to go back to WWE or to fight for a smaller indie company or whatever. But that's the big takeaway from this. Um, this was a double false finish match, I think it was. Uh, uh reading i'm reading honestly to just kind of see where where we're at with everything um yeah so aubrey edwards had originally counted jericho for a pin yeah but okay so here it is so mjf hits the judas effect and pins the veteran for three despite the hall of fame worthy competitor draping his foot over the bottom rope a second referee, Paul Turner, comes in, lets Aubrey Edwards know her error, and the match gets restarted. Um, oh no! So it's only a one a one finish. It's only a one false finish, um, because then after, shortly after that, there's a failed armbar attempt from Chris Jericho that leads into the walls of Jericho, and MJF at this point his lower back has been destroyed, and he taps out. The inner circle comes in and celebrates with Jericho afterwards. Um, so this is this is hard. This is hard to say right now. Um, I don't know how I feel about this match. To say that I wanted to, to see Jericho retire right now, again, the selfish fan of me wishes he would never retire, wishes he could die in the ring. Kidding. I'm kidding. You can cut that off if you want. 
Um, I don't, I don't want to see him the way Ric Flair was wrestling towards the end of his career with WWE and in Impact after he finishes in ring career with WWE because yeah, he wasn't wrestling. <sighs> Sorry, he was doing spots, and that's fine. If you want to do spots, that's fine. But make it serve a story. Make it serve something. Because just doing spots for the hell of doing spots is not fun. I don't want to see it. Jericho right now has maintained his body. He has protected himself pretty well. He has continued to show that he can go. When it comes to a big fight, Chris Jericho has been able to deliver consistently where others may have begun to falter. But are we in the point of diminished returns? Because, look, and I think this article from Bleacher Report says it best, it would behoove him to go away for just a while. He is at the point where he no longer needs to be on weekly TV. If, if he wants to be, he wants to be. And we're not going to take that away from him. Just make make every week count. The five labors of Jericho kind of may have burned out a lot of older wrestlers because we've seen this kind of programming before. And frankly, it's not anything special. But you got to see where... He's going to end up. Uh, I know he has a tour of Fozzie. He's been doing some shows in between wrestling. So maybe he'll maybe he'll just naturally have to go and take care of things with Fozzie first. Uh, I know the, the the his cruise, the, 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 the Rock and Wrestling Rager is coming up. I believe, no, I believe that's next summer. Uh, but he's already selling tickets he's already putting together the shows and the people and the special attractions that are going to be on the boat with them so that's you know maybe we'll have a break from him next summer maybe he'll take a break now to continue planning that out who knows but the next i mean but the jericho situation that's an easy fix you have jericho step away maybe go heal up his body be you know go rock out with fozzy for a little bit make make some music money and then when he's been away for a little while I mean, maybe even you can cut it to, you know, he just wrestled right now in September. Maybe have him come back for like a week or two to get to October. And then from October, boom, keep him off TV until the new year. I would say that's not horrible writing, but you, it, the two months he'll be off TV will give you time to plan out with or without him the next set of storylines. That's just my opinion. Uh the next hardest thing to do is what the hell do you do with MJF now? MJF has now suffered a loss on pay-per-view to Chris Jericho. He hadn't lost the pay-per-view match since last year's All Out. What do you do? Um, he's young, though, so you'll have the opportunity to put him against other guys to kind of build up his mystique again. He does still have the pinnacle, his own faction, to lean on as well. He can get into a, a program with the faction versus another you know faction versus faction promotion and we'll see what we're working with from there but for now both these guys are kind of in a limbo state now that this quote-unquote feud is over uh we'll have to see what happens in the next coming weeks 
But again, Jericho needs to be reworked, and it's crazy. It was a good match, but man, it was it was something that he he's got to protect himself now. So now on to my peop- my main event. This is my personal main event. It wasn't the pay per view's main event. CM Punk in wrestling gear for the first time since 2014, squaring off against Darby Allen who was originally slated to come out with Sting, but um, Allen decided to go at it alone. Now, if you don't know Darby Allen, he is a man who will literally throw himself to death in order to win a match and achieve a goal. Punk, fearless. He has no qualms about destroying somebody or destroying himself. So this is going to be a fun match. Um, I'm going to touch on it real quick. The, the intro. So obviously Punk came back to wrestling two weeks before. He made his announcement at the United Center in in Chicago to a rocking crowd. Cult of personality hits. It's insane. And man, if you can go on YouTube and find that clip, it is beyond a shadow of a doubt a chilling moment. I've got goosebumps thinking about it right now. I've got a lump in my throat about it, too. The crowd was just eating every single moment of it, and it was beautiful. It was fantastic. Um, That's not to say that the crowd there at All Out did not eat it up either. Uh, They were definitely riled up. They were definitely fired up for it. And hell yeah, man. It was a fucking spectacular match. Um. This is not for, I don't think this match was for the current pro wrestling fan. I think this was definitely an old school technical bout. I've seen some comparisons of this, um, yeah, this being fairly compared to the 1-2-3 kid versus Bret Hart match of the older WWF days. A very technical match between uh, a young veteran and a young ump The veteran seeing if he can still do it with the young guys. The young guy seeing if he can upset a veteran. And to be honest, I think both of these guys, even though Punk hits to go to sleep to win, I think he solidly cements himself as a guy who, damn, seven years later, can still go. He is... I mean, he can hang. He can do it. He's got a lot of that same energy that he did when he was still wrestling in 2010 um, during that entire summer of punk when he was a champion for over 400 days. I mean, this could be the start of something truly, truly special for punk. And I'm excited about it. It's going to be something real fun. Um, Where does punk go from here? Well, punk has a litany. He, I mean, he even said in his uh, a Chicago promo, he's he came to AEW because of the young talent. He came because he wanted to see what what everybody had for him, and his first test was Darby Allen because he loved Darby and he wanted to see what he could do with him. And you know what's interesting about it all? Darby Allen looks like a fucking star. He looks fantastic and. 
I'm hoping this is just a way to to put both of them on a rocket ship, shoot them to the moon, and may, who knows, maybe in a year or two, one of them's holding a title, and we're seeing a title match between these two. Um, I don't know. Take take my reporting here as a prediction. Maybe they'll have, maybe they'll have a great program together by then, and they'll be able to reference this return match and how he caught him off guard, and you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, my this was my match of the night, and I, I look outside of the the cage match. This was my match of the night based off nostalgia, one hundred percent. My punk nostalgia. My my love for Darby Allen as a character, um, but yeah, at the end of the day, this was my match of the night. And if I'm removing that away from it, removing the the punk factor away from it, it's still a great match. I um, but the tag team title match in the cage was way better. So from an objective standpoint, tag team match up top, CM Punk match number two, close number two. Um, the next match again. This was the filler between all the big matches. Paul White versus QT Marshall of the Factory. I mean, this is Paul White is the big show. This is kind of just this is like a reverse CM Punk because Big Show's been wrestling pretty much up until he left WWE, and then when he left, he came to AEW as a trainer. So he's still physically in shape. He hasn't lost time. And this is just kind of like, yo, we need something in between to kind of like keep the crowd, you know, warm until the main event. It delivered what it needed to, which was was another match to go off on. And that's it. You know, Big Show wins. It, I don't know. I think uh, Big Show, not to sound mean, but Big Show would be better, better off sticking to commentary until he retires, which I hope is for a few years because, again, nostalgia but definitely he uh he's better served in other ways than than continuing to wrestle if he does the occasional match or two i wouldn't be mad at it but um this high up on the card everyone kind of knew this was a filler match to kind of kill time um i i would call that my bathroom break match if you're watching the pay-per-view or you're planning to re-watch the pay-per-view um that's the match where if you time it out correctly you can go grab, go to the bathroom, grab a drink, uh, refill a plate of food, eat, and then you'll be ready for the main event, which is the AEW World Championship match. Mr. Christian Cage versus Mr. Kenny Omega, the champion. Um, this is this is hard. This is hard because Kenny Omega is a fantastic champion. Uh, Christian Cage is a great champion as well. Um, they're both champions, but for AEW's sake, Kenny Omega is the current AEW champion. But just recently on TV, he suffered a loss to Christian Cage on a non-title match. So think about it like this. You're a champion for more than a year and a half. You have not been defeated in over a year and a half. Some outsider comes in and beats you, and you now you have to defend your title against him at the next pay-per-view? It's crazy. But as we see, um, these two are students of the game, and it's a match that's oh lord, it is a house on fire. Everyone comes out. 
you've got crazy you got crazy action uh you know you got v triggers pulled here and there you got snap suplexes you've got spear after spear after spear you know you got a kill switch and then finally a a kill switch from the top rope that gets switched out blocked and switched into a one-winged angel for omega to capture the top uh, for omega to hold on to his title um now i rushed through the match to get to the final point at the end of the match kenny omega comes out grabs a mic starts talking crap to the crowd starts talking about how great he is how good he is how all this he is out of nowhere the lights go killed and you see darkness until you hear the music of adam cole baby adam cole leaving basically running from nxt across the state to jacksonville florida signs in with aew flies out to illinois to be there for his old buddy kenny omega they shake hands they embrace he accepts a double cheek kiss from the young bucks he joins the elite of aew and the crowd is going nuts i mean when he comes out everyone thinks that he's gonna kick kenny omega's teeth in and when they have that big hug it's a big fuck you to the crowd just <laughs> suck on these long ones motherfuckers then adam cole does what he does best he grabs the mic he starts pronouncing to the crowd how great he is how great the elite has become now that he has joined up with them talking about how they're gonna take over they're gonna keep dominating and then in the background slowly a rumble out of nowhere you hear flight of the valkyries the horns pitch into a crescendo and then the screens start showing one name a name we haven't seen in years a name that when flipped brings heartbreak to wwe fans but in the current form of aew brings hope and optimism to the fans of professional wrestling out in the distance you see coming down the fucking tunnel it is goddamn the american dragon brian fucking danielson coming down the ramp smile beard and ponytail and all just running down comes down kicks some teeth in breaks some faces and oh baby he is ready to fight kenny omega that night and we fade to black as all out ends on probably the highest note you can end out on outside of a cm punk championship title win and that's the show ladies and gentlemen basically two two last fuck yous to wwe and vince mcmahon in general saying hey you won't appreciate these wrestlers right now when they're in their prime and they can deliver you good business and they can deliver you storyline after storyline where they can wrestle their hearts out for millions and millions of fans everywhere well then fine aew will take them 
and set them up for success and make sure that these names are not tarnished by your WWE branded. And they won't wrestle. They won't be sports entertainers anymore. No. They will be what they've always meant to be. Professional wrestlers. AEW can proudly proclaim itself the home of professional fucking wrestling with this pay-per-view. All in all, I think this pay-per-view serves as an A motherfucking plus. It delivered with veteran wrestlers. It delivered with their own homegrown talent. And it delivered with the guys they've been able to scoop from WWE. All in all, this is a, this is a pay-per-view that if you want to see where the tide turned and where maybe the fandom of wrestling shifted from a dominantly WWE audience to an AEW-dominated audience, this was the pay-per-view that did it. All in all, A-plus to the wrestlers, A-plus to the production team, A-plus to Tony Khan, and the rest of the producers of the show, and overall, an A-double-plus to All Elite Wrestling for their standout show all out 2021. I mean, let's give the old Jack guy treatment. High fives all around. That is fantastic stuff. Um, let's let's cut let let's let's you know, let's stop the love fest and let's kick it out to somebody else. I've had a lot of time. That has been my time, ladies and gentlemen. I see the red light in the corner of the screen. I know when my time's up. All right, everyone, thank you for listening to our show. That is it. We are out of there. And with that being said, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, or you just want to talk, we're always available. We're always somewhere. You can find us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash nerdolution. We're on Instagram, at nerdolution. You follow us on Twitter as well. Uh, Hopefully soon we'll be able to open the Discord page in order to talk live to everyone. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see where we can go from here. Uh, if you want to talk directly to us when we post this episode live, you can continue the conversation with us on the comment in the comment section. Just go ahead and tag any of us. You can tag Danny. You can tag Jaime. You can tag myself, Lewis. And we'll go ahead and respond as fast as we can. Or if you have a simple suggestion of what we should be covering or what you'd like to hear an opinion on, Go ahead, shoot us that. If you want somebody specifically to comment on it or have an opinion on it for the next episode, go ahead and reference us in there as well. But nonetheless, hopefully soon we'll be able to post out not just this episode, but we'll be able to post out some more content to our social media pages. And with that being said, thank you very much for listening into this episode. Um, we appreciate all the all the promotions, all the help, all the love that we get from you guys. Um, we can't tell you enough how much your feedback means to us. Um, we'd be doing the show with or without it, but with it, it's, it's something that we can mold, uh, together. I want to say, I love you guys so much from the bottom of my heart. Um, my shout out this week goes out to Angela who has been putting up with me 
doing this stuff a lot and having to rearrange schedules and you know hearing me get frustrated when i would record and double record and triple record so uh i love you uh we'll figure out something soon and hopefully uh we'll be able to combine forces on this uh and with her shout out i want to point direct everyone to go to youtube find uh search angela mazeo she has her own youtube channel where she vlogs semi-weekly and i'm a featured person on her vlogs as well you can catch up with me there you can catch up with her there and you can see all of our lives kind of playing out together there's fun moments there's stupid moments and there's all around genuinely good comedy Never clean, but it's entertaining at least. Love you guys. Paciencia y fe. Remember everybody, mask up, vax up. Black lives matter. Asian lives matter. Representation matters. We love you. Peace.